0: In this October series on five obstacles to gratitude, we have looked at nostalgia, where you make an idol of the past, the edited past. Worry, where we don't really have enough trust in God and entitlement, where we think we're special and deserve something extra special from from God and from others. Today, we consider greed. And next week, well, we'll deal with another big obstacle to gratitude, disappointment. Today's text tells the story of unlikely allies working together to trick Jesus into a mistake. Remember the context. Jesus and the disciples are in Jerusalem. Jesus has ridden a donkey in with a crowd cheering, Hosanna, Hosanna. And his popularity, his being so popular threatened the status quo, the powers that be. But at the end of the week, he will be tried and tortured and crucified and buried. In this part of Matthew's gospel, Jesus has been in the temple. He's been talking to religious leaders. He's just told several parables which those leaders have figured out were about them and didn't present them in a nice light. So... Two groups conspired to trap Jesus. One group consists of the religious leaders, and the other group, the other group are called Herodians. That is, people who support Herod, people who collaborated with the despised Roman government to enforce Roman rule, doing things like collecting taxes. Then, as now, there were a lot of different kinds of taxes, but one that was especially hated was a poll tax, a temple tax. Every Jewish man over age 14 and every Jewish woman over 12, don't ask me why is the difference, I didn't make the rule, all of them had to pay this tax and because everybody had to say the same amount no matter how rich or poor they were, it's what we would call a, a regressive tax, every person had to pay one denarius, a little more than the uh, a day laborer would make in one day. To make it even more offensive, the tax had to be paid with a Roman coin that had the face of the emperor and the inscription, Tiberius, son of the divine Augustus. And to make it even worse, the tax was, it was used to pay for the Roman troops who were there enforcing Rome's rule over israel in other words it wasn't just a tax it was the tax that paid for occupying military force and it had to be paid in what they saw as a blasphemous way because it violated the first two commandments it insulted god and it insulted their basic beliefs and remember they didn't have any first amendment rights to protest well, you could protest, but then you'd be executed. That's the way it was. So listen now for God's word for us today in the 22nd chapter of Matthew's gospel, starting at the 15th verse. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap him in what he said. So they, they sent their disciples to him along with Herodian, saying, Teacher, We know that you are sincere and and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this? And whose title? And they answered, The emperors. Then he said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperors, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O oh Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. Now, do you find yourself asking, what is this story about Jesus asking a, being asked a trick, tricky question? What's that got to do with greed? Well, for one thing, the two groups who plotted the trick question, they were both greedy for power. They wanted to be rid of this troublemaker, Jesus. Okay, okay, you might say, well, that was then, this is now. What can we learn from that story that helps us be more faithful, more grateful Christians now? Well, for one thing, we can learn a basic lesson. (laughs) You do not have to accept the premise of a question. After a lot of insincere flattery, they said to Jesus, Tell us what you think. Is it lawful to pay them for or not? The premise of the question is that there are two and only two possible answers. And they have figured out that both answers are going to be bad for Jesus. If he said, Yes, it's right to pay this tax, he'll be in big trouble with the people of Israel who hate this tax that pays for the soldiers that occupy their country and that uses a coin that calls Caesar, Caesar Augustus, divine. And if he says, no, it's not right to pay this tax, he can be in bigger trouble with the mighty Roman Empire government that crucifies troublemakers. But Jesus does not accept the premise underlying their tricky question. Jesus Jesus gets them to show their hypocrisy when they produce that coin bearing the image of Caesar Tiberius, son of Augustus, who claims to be divine, a god. And then Jesus shares a principle that raises a lot of questions for his followers, both then and us now. Give, therefore, to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. So the big question is, So what belongs to the emperor? What belongs to God? When the idea of separation of church and state gets discussed, there are usually people at least on Facebook and in some discussions who will admit that the words separation of church and state are not actually in the Constitution. But they say they are in the Bible and they'll point to this passage, but that's not what Jesus said either. By render under Caesar phrase, Jesus pointed to our obligations as citizens of a country. But by the render under God phrase, he pointed to our obligations as citizens of a kingdom, God's kingdom, what Matthew's gospel calls the kingdom of heaven. Now the, the coin for payment of the poll tax bore that image or the Greek word is icon. Of Caesar so whose image do you and I bear well the in the first chapter of Genesis we read God created humanity in God's own image in the divine image God created the male and female God created them you and I you and I have been made in God's image and in 2nd Corinthians or some people say 2 Corinthians second corinthians 4 paul writes the god of this age has been has blinded the minds of those who don't have faith so they could not see the light of the gospel that reveals christ's glory christ is the image of god and what is this god what is the god of this age now well acquisition is one name and you could say greed is the motivation What do we want? More, when do we want it? Well, now. We're too much like that farmer you may have heard about said, I don't want all the land in the world, I just want the land that adjoins mine. (laughs) Well, we live in a consumer culture where a lot of the economy depends on all of us wanting and buying more and more, and then some more. The desire for stuff is already there, it's embedded in us, but the flames of that fire are fanned by advertising. On the television series, Mad Men, the main character, Don Draper, is a, he's a 1960s advertising genius. In the very first episode of the show, Don explains how it works. He says, advertising is based on one thing, happiness. And he says, you know what happiness is? It's the smell of a new car. It's freedom from fear. It's a billboard on the side of the road that screams reassurance that whatever you're doing, you are okay. Whatever you're doing is okay, and you are okay relief from fear you might say if we want to have an attitude of gratitude we need to be keenly aware that we are we're like fish swimming in an ocean a sea of advertising you can't escape it so we need to be very aware that that advertising and consumerism tempt us to greed, to want more and more and more feel that somehow our self-worth, our happiness is tied up in whether we have the newest, the fanciest, the most highly advertised, the top of the line car, or truck, or cell phone, or TV, or computer, or bold fashion statement. And for some people, well, some folks also crave that superiority, the exclusive, being exclusive, saying, I've got it and you don't. but we are not our stuff, our collection of brand names. We are children of God created in God's very image. We were not not made just to be consumers. As the very first catechism question that I learned as a child, one written back in 1647 said, what is the chief end of man? Now they meant humankind, but they weren't politically correct in 1647. And the answer, man's chief end, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Now the larger catechisms for adults add a couple of words. They say humankind's chief and highest end is to glorify God and to fully enjoy him forever. This is where greed gets in the way. If we allow ourselves to get seduced by and by consumerism and its advocate, advertising, then we'll be infected with greed, greed that, that gets in the way of gratitude that can keep us from our highest goal, glorifying and fully enjoying God forever. So how do we do this? Well, Let me tell you about a current advertisement. (laughs) One for the New Yorker magazine. It shows a burglar standing in someone else's living room holding one of their possessions, I think a boombox or something. And the burglar's asking him questions that we need to ask too. He said, do I really want this? Do I need this? Will it bring me joy? Well, the genius of that last question is that it taps into one of the best tests of decisions. And that test is, how will I think about this decision down the road, somewhere in the future, say five years down from now? Well, those tests don't just apply to the use of our money. They also apply to those other limited resources. All of us have three limited resources, time, energy, and money. For example, a phone call or a visit to someone who's not able to get out and come visit you. It doesn't take much time, doesn't take much energy and almost no money, but it can bring great joy to the person you call or visit. And it can reward you with good feelings too. Or contributing to Bria's food drive, which is going on today or that food bank that serves Johnston County. It can be as easy as putting a little cash or a big check in in that collection or bringing some cans of beans or some other non-perishable to the box at the back of the church. But just doing that can help feed a poor family in our county and can also reward you with a good feeling that comes with knowing that you have done something good for hungry people in need. Those folks need our prayers, but they also need our practical help, too. There's a uh, smart seminary professor named Jack Rogers who's written a little book called Presbyterian Creeds. Has to do with those creeds I was asking Sonia about last week, that's the book of our various creeds, which includes um, the Apostles' Creed, we're years later. Rogers has written that we ought not to be self-centeredly interested only in our own personal salvation. We are saved to serve. We should be seeking the glory of God by working toward the kingdom of God. God cares for us and will meet our needs. We need to show our gratitude by acting on God's agenda for this world. So remember, that you and I, we are made in the image of God. Now, Rogers says that doesn't refer to some abstract quality like, uh, or attribute like reason or free will or the ability to dominate nature. And we're to remember that Jesus Christ is the image of God, not because he was smarter or freer or more dominant than others, but because Jesus was totally obedient to God. Our job as Christians is to follow Jesus' example of glorifying God with lives of obedient activity. If we do that, our lives will not be infested with greed, but will be made happy and joyful with gratitude and with thanks to God. Go out into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Return no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. Visit the sick. Practice, practice, practice. Generosity. Gratitude. Love the Lord and serve Him and God's people. Rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, even in our most faithful, you and I, we stand in need of grace. And because of God's unfailing love, mercy has been promised to us even before we speak the truth. So, in humility and with confidence, let us confess our sin before God and one another. O God, we confess that we are often greedy we want more than we need we want what others have and we hesitate to share what we have even when we have more than enough we find it easier to think of our own wants than of others needs we are insecure and we worry there won't be enough and so we grow greedy lord Forgive our foolish ways. Help us to remember that all good gifts come from you. Help us to remember the grace and forgiveness you freely grant us. Help us to remember that we are made in your image and enable us to reflect the love that you have shown us. Help us to live with gratitude. To you, our Creator, our Redeemer, and and our Sustainer, and and help us to spread spread the gospel good news of salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Lord and and Savior. Amen. And now in silent prayer, let us speak with God about those sins we dare not speak out loud. God's power to pardon is immeasurable. So proclaim the good news to the ends of the earth. Through the mercy of Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Friends in Christ, in response to this gift of God's amazing grace, how then shall we live with, with gratitude? gratitude following after the Lord Jesus Christ, who calls us to love God with heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbors as ourselves. This is the way of Jesus, in whom we find life.